You know, I practiced communication for three, four years before I worked at IBM as a technology consultant for many years until I jumped ship to be the CEO of my own business. But because I had done communication for fun for so many years and I was presenting to all these executives, but there was no stakes on the line. When I got back into the corporate environment, I was able to transition a lot of the skills I had learned from presentations into a corporate environment so that I could get the results that I was looking for. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. I am thrilled that you're here. While you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask the usual three favors. One, please subscribe to the show. Two, please share the show with just one other person. And three, go to GerardTrainingSolutions.com and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today, I have Brendan Kumarasamy with me. Brendan, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? It's great to be here, Eric. Thanks for having me on the show. So for me, the, the journey started when I was in college, in business school. I studied in accounting, funny enough, which is the opposite of what I do today, which is communication coaching. And I start competing in these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age are playing football or rugby or soccer, I wasn't really one of those guys. I did presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching a bunch of other students in college just to help them win competitions. And I accidentally developed a talent in coaching other people on how to speak. So then in January 2019, I started making YouTube videos on public speaking because I felt that information wasn't out there. I called it Master Talk, and then the rest was history. Nice. So you own a company called Master Talk? That's correct. It's a coach. It's both a media company and a coaching practice for high-level execs and CEOs. Fantastic. Well, I'm really glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Of course, it's good to be here. All right. So our focus today, as you can gather, is on communication. And Brendan, my first question for you is that we all know that communication is important for new managers. That's my audience is new managers. What specifically is most important about communication for a new manager to master? Yeah, absolutely, Eric. You know, for me, the the mindset always in, in a corporate environment, and this is how I coach my clients, Eric, is to always focus three levels above where you currently are. So if you're a manager right now, ask yourself, who do you want to be in three to five years? And a lot of managers will say, I want to be a director. I want to be a VP. So my question for them always, Eric, just as a principle, is are we communicating like that individual today? How does that person speak? How does that person interact? And what will happen is as we get promoted, like in this case, somebody became a new manager, they're getting pulled into a lot more meetings than they otherwise would have in the past. So now they have to get a lot better at speaking more concisely in boardroom presentations, in meetings to people that they're talking to, because the team size that they're managing is increasing over the duration of their career. So they need to get really good at speaking concisely and effectively is one of those main frames. All right. So speaking, communication is the most important thing. Okay. I would agree. I teach presentation skills as part of my practice, and I see it being transformational for folks, both employees and managers and leaders. When they master that and they're able to stand in front of a group without nerves, it just it completely changes them in terms of their their ability to to say you know what i've got this i'm okay and i'm i've got an important message to deliver and it's all going to be good so i love it absolutely yeah 
Let's talk a little bit about meetings because meetings are a big component of, of communication. How can a new manager run effective meetings that stay on track and get things done? Yeah, for sure. So there's three main points to meetings, looking at more high level, and then we'll go specifics to your question. The first one is what's the goal of the meeting? The second is what's the contribution? And the third piece is what? how do I communicate my ideas effectively in that meeting? So if I sat down any new manager and it's a Sunday evening, Eric, and we're looking at their meetings for the week so that we can game plan in advance, the first question is what's the goal of the meeting? So if that manager looks at all those meetings, I'm pretty sure there's around 20% of them at least where they'll come back to me and say, you know, Brendan, I'm not really sure what the goal of this meeting is. What's the purpose of this? I don't really know. So these are the meetings where we need to learn how to have tougher conversations, which is tough when we're a new manager, to go up to people around us and go like, I don't understand why we're having this meeting. Let's let's get some more clarity on why we all gathered here and having this conversation. And that's how we transition more to a leadership where we start to question the decisions that we're making. Number two is what's the contribution? So now for the other 80% of meetings, Eric, all those meetings should be there. But now the better question is, why am I specifically in this meeting? And this is a problem I found even executives face, let alone new managers, where when they're managing bigger and bigger teams, the people that work for them or with them rather, pull them into meetings just so they have their support, but they don't really need to share anything. So now it's important for the manager to empower the people on their team to say, hey, you don't need me in this meeting. You can handle this. You're super awesome. You're doing great work. And if there's anything else outside of that meeting, I'm happy to support you. And then the third piece is the most important one. This is what I coach a lot of VPs on how to do too, Eric, which is your big threes. So every single week, there's generally three big meetings that have the most impact on both the bottom line of the business and selfishly for your own career. That could be a big sales presentation, interviewing an A-plus candidate. It could be showing up at a media appearance, like a big panel conversation. So for those three meetings, you want to spend 80% of your energy as a manager focusing on so you knock it out. And then we can get into the granularities on how to actually run those specific types of meetings with the best results. Nice. I love it. Yeah, the big three, breaking it down so it's not like looking at your, at your entire week and all 50 meetings. It's like, okay, there are just three that you need to focus on. Yeah, super helpful. Nice. Okay. Let's let's pivot now a little bit to presentations. How can a new manager project confidence when they're presenting, say in a meeting like we just talked about or in a larger venue? Right. For me it's all about doing what's harder outside of the boardroom so that the boardroom becomes a joke. What does that mean? It's really difficult to practice boardroom type scenarios within the boardroom. And the reason is because every time you present, there's stakes on the line. So for me, the perspective has always been, how can we project confidence in something that's outside of the boardroom where there's no stakes, there's no, there's nothing uh, against your career that helps you level up so that when you go back into the corporate world, your life is really easy. I'll give you an example with me and then I'll give a specific tactic for the audience to implement. So for me, a good example was, you know, I practiced communication for three, four years before I worked at IBM as a technology consultant for many years until I jumped ship to be the CEO of my own business. But because I had done communication for fun for so many years and I was presenting to all these executives, but there was no stakes on the line, when I got back into the corporate environment, I was able to, I was able to transition a lot of the skills I'd learned from presentations into a corporate environment so that I could get the results that I was looking for. 
how can we apply that same logic to new managers? Here's an exercise I teach. It's called the random word exercise, Eric, where you take a word like phone or jaguar or tea mug, something completely random that has nothing to do with your expertise, and you present that for 60 seconds. If you do that exercise five times a day, you get really talented at communicating things that you have no understanding of. There's something people can write down if they want. If you can make sense out of nonsense, you can make sense out of anything. Your day-to-day life as a manager is embracing and managing chaos. So if you know how to talk about avocado toast, it's going to be really easy for you to produce project confidence in the boardroom of something you've spent years working on. Now you're making me hungry for avocado toast. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I haven't had that in a while. Neither have I, but it sounds good. Nice. I like the idea of of taking a random object like this thing. We're not recording video, but my coaster and, and doing five minutes on the coaster. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, start with one minute. I think five minutes is more because you're a superstar. But for people listening who are new managers, stick to 60 seconds. Oh, Oh, go on. Pshaw. All right. Excellent. Thank you very much. And my last question for you before we move into the next section is how can new managers present themselves well when they're in front of senior executives? So let's say you've got a new manager who finds himself in the boardroom or finds himself in in front of a bunch of C-suite folks or in front of even just a bunch of VPs. How do they avoid feeling intimidated? Easier said than done, right, Eric? Great question. You know, for me, what it comes down to is there's no silver bullet answer to to crushing with C-suite. I think for me, the answer has always been you work on your fundamentals more than the C-suite level executives do. Let's go back to the random word exercise as an example, and I'll give you a couple of other tricks too for C-level specifically. The question I always ask my clients is how many times do you think people at the same level as you are willing to do the random word exercise a hundred times. So let's say, for example's sake, you're a manager at a tech company. That's that's usually what I've, what I've specialized in over my career. You start as like a technical engineer. So when you're a new manager, it's really stressful for you because you've never really managed anyone. You've gotten paid to code or write scripts or something like that based on the deliverable of the work essentially. And then you become a manager and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm really stressed out. How do I speak out the cusp? How do I speak to the CEO of the business? I can't do that. So I always ask that person, I always go, okay, Jim, how many times or what percentage of your industry do you think are willing to do the random word exercise once? And Jim's looking at me, Eric, and he's probably thinking, I don't know, Brendan, maybe 10%. I go, great. What about a hundred times? And then Jim goes, I don't think there's anyone besides me in this department who even think to do it a hundred times. And I go, that's the point. A hundred times isn't that hard. If you do it five times a day for three weeks, you'll have hit a hundred. It's just most people are not willing to do the work. But I make that comparison to sweet, sweet love executives because I, I talk to those people too. Those people have never done the random word exercise a few times in their career. So if you're doing this a hundred times, you have an internal confidence that you earned. Not some magic potion that you drank and said, kumbaya, I can speak to sea levels, but that's really the main focus. There's two other parts I'll comment on. The second part is a big mistake a lot of managers make, and I've seen this time and time again, and I'm sure you have as well, Eric is they don't treat C-level executives or VPs like human beings. They think they're like robots or machines. So whenever I ask them to say, hey, why don't you have a coffee with them for 30 minutes just to get to know them? They go, oh my God, I can never message my C-level executive for a coffee. I go, why don't you just try? And then they do this and then they're shocked when they get a response going, 
yeah, I love the work that you're doing, Brett. I'd love to talk to you for 30 minutes, just get to know you more. And you realize that they're just human beings and that alleviates a lot of the pressure. Last quick exercise I'll give is the question drill. So for you to speak to C-level executives, you need to think like one, meaning you want to take a step back and ask yourself, if I was a C-level executive in my own meeting, what questions would I ask myself about what I'm presenting? And at the beginning, you won't know the answer. So it starts by just observing other managers and listening attentively and writing down in a piece of paper the questions that the C-level are asking the other experienced manager. And you taking those questions and going, what if I was that manager, how would I have answered that question? And that's what helps you get into the mind of a C-suite so that eventually it'll be very easy for you to communicate like them and to them. Love it. Yeah, I love it. You know, thinking from more of a business perspective, you know, pulling back 30,000 30, feet or so and saying, okay, if, you, if you're running a part of the business, you know, and you're, you're thinking about P&L and so on, and how can I make this business more efficient and effective? What questions would I ask myself? Yeah, that's a good exercise. One of the things that I teach also that, that helps calm folks down is making sure that you know who specifically you're talking to. So knowing your audience really, really well, you know, can you, you know, if you're, if you're going to a small meeting, can you name the people that will be there and do a little research on your internal directory or on LinkedIn or even beyond that, but just get to know those folks really quickly or really deeply. And then secondly, making sure that you're really clear on your objective for that presentation. So if you're going to speak, what do you want people to know, feel, and do? And make sure that that what you say lands with that audience to get them to know, feel, and do what you want. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's transition now and talk a little bit more about you. Do you have a product or a service you'd like to plug? For sure, Eric. Happy to. So, so for me, there's there's two ways of keeping in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel, which is Master Talk. In one word, you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to speak. And the second way to keep in touch is come to one of our free trainings. We do a free workshop on communication that's delivered over Zoom. We do it for free every two weeks. People who are executives come to that call. Fortune 500 people come to that call. Kids come to that call. Everybody's invited. So if you want to go to that, go to Rockstar communicator.com and sign up for our next free training. All right. Rockstarcommunicator.com. We will make sure that's in the show notes as well. Okay. And now we come to the lightning round. This is a chance for the audience to get to know you a little bit better on a little bit more of a personal level. Nothing embarrassing, I promise. The first question is, if you could interview anyone, if you were sitting in my seat and could interview anyone, living or dead, who would it be and why? I would interview Peter Thiel, who's the author of the book Zero to One. He was the founder of both PayPal and Palantir, and he was the first investor in Facebook. The reason is because his book is like one of my favorite books of all time, Zero to One. And he asked this question in the book, which is simply, what is the truth that you believe in that most people disagree with you on? And he argues that the answer to that question leads to amazing innovation in the world. So essentially, what I would do during that whole dinner conversation is I would just get the, the rest of his questions and say, Peter, okay, you gave me this nice question. What other questions do you teach other people privately that I could take a note on and reflect? And that would be the entirety of the dinner. Yeah, that would be fun. Nice. What's your favorite vacation spot and why? My favorite vacation spot, funny enough, is Toronto, Canada, which is like a five-hour drive from my house. Not because uh, it's an amazing city or anything, it's because all my family lives there, so my vacations are really simple. I just got back, actually, from a two-week vacation from 
Toronto. And it's literally just me and my my cousins living at their house, watching horror movies and eating fried chicken for two weeks. So yes, it was really fun. Now you made me hungry for fried chicken. This is twice. Yeah, let's talk about food. You you made me realize that <laughs> I'm always bringing up food. <laughs> All right, I'm coming to your house. You're cooking. <laughs> I actually don't cook, but we could get Uber Eats if you want. All right. Okay. Aside from Toronto, where would you most like to travel? Where would I like to travel? Yeah, I would say the one that comes to mind. Though, though I will say for for the record, I don't have the same level of thirst for travel that that most people do. That hunger to travel to places. I usually only do it if there's a tax deduction. To be honest, that's beneficial to everybody. But if I had to pick one with my family, I would love to go to Japan someday. We we have a lot of roots there, just from a cultural perspective. We just watch a lot of Japanese. Anime and we watch, we read a lot of manga, and we're just like a big Japanese family, even if we're not Japanese by any means. So we would just we would travel there. Yeah, that's probably the spot. I've been to Japan three times, and it's fascinating. Go with go with a guide. It's it's more fun if you've got someone who can who can explain stuff. I mean, it's oh, it's fast. Okay. Yeah, it's fascinating just to wander around. You know, if you can if you can read enough of the signs to get yourself where you want to go, but it's more fun if somebody can explain what you're looking at. So. Uh, ah, cool. That's that a, a good tip. Yeah, give that a thought. It's a very good thought. Last question for you, sir. What brings you the most joy in your life? What brings me the most joy? I, I'm really grateful in my life. There's so many things that bring me joy. You know, my family, the people around you, the work that I get to do. I would say for me, the thing that brings me the most joy is serving the people that believed in me long before I believed in myself. You know, I remember when I was younger and I, I barely could afford just a meal like dumplings in Montreal because I was still a broke student. And I remember one time I wanted to treat my friends because it was my birthday and my card declined and it was really embarrassing. And then my my friends just jumped to it and said, hey, don't even worry about it. It's your birthday. Why are you paying for us? And, and, and they paid for my dumplings. And the fact that I could pay for every meal for them every time we go out brings me the most joy, not because they need it. They don't need me to pay. They're all doing very well. Like some of them are investment bankers. The other person's like a management consultant. They've all done well in their careers. But just the fact that I can take care of the people that believed in me is it brings me a lot of joy. Ah, nice. I recently went to a 30th anniversary celebration for my oldest friend. And they booked an entire resort, a little resort. They booked an entire resort for for us. There were several couples that were part of this. And they took us to a super nice restaurant in Carmel, California, and bought us dinner and you know, fed us whatever we wanted, any wine we wanted. And it was just such a nice gesture to be able to say, you know, they were saying thank you to us for standing by them for 30 years. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna steal that idea. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm doing that. Absolutely. Okay, nice. Well, thank you, Brendan. What a great conversation. Really enjoyed that. How can people find you? Remind us again where you are. It's such a joy to be on your show. Thanks for having me. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the Master Talk YouTube channel. Just go on YouTube and type Master Talk in one word, and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate. And number two is go to rockstarcommunicator.com, and that's where you want to go if you want to see me live, give a presentation over Zoom. It's absolutely free, and it's a 90-minute call that is going to be filled with a ton of fun and a lot of interactive experiences. Okay, fantastic. Well, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. We will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com.